Hello and welcome to When Will It End? It's a movie podcast where me and my dear friend Charles Hobby, we watch the movies in order. And that's important. I don't know if we've talked about that enough. If we were to do a franchise review series chronologically jumbled, I think this would be a very difficult job. I mean, we talked about it. We did, yeah. The first pass, it was like, what if we, we watch a franchise entirely out of order? Uh, it was a, as bad as bad as it is now to talk about this now. It was worse originally. Yeah. It, uh, time, this is slightly better. This is a little better. Mostly because we're not in the same room. Yeah. The shame, the reek of, the, like the stench of shame is harder to detect over uh, uh, a video screen. Yeah. I don't even remember whose idea it was. It's gone. Uh, uh, let's go with yours. It's yours. Probably yeah, your idea. I mean, probably. So you're you're no Tej. Here's a look behind the curtain. Charles is bad at setting up for the podcast. I'm not. I am more like Tej. You're more like Tej. I would give the children ATM money. <laughs> so far, you've said you're Dom and Tej, and I get to be, or yeah, and I get to be just Paul Walker, who's dead. No, I'm also Roman. I'm Roman Tej Dom. <laughs> what the fuck? Also, I'm a little Hobbs because I'm kind of daddy. You're more. So what? I'm I'm Han. Do I get to be Han? You're Han aspirant. I don't think you're Han yet. I think you like want to be Han. But part of here's the thing with Han: wanting to be Han is not very Han. Dude, I, I feel like this. We talked about this once before. You're putting me in a corner where I have to act very un-Charles because I'm being told I'm not Charles, and I get defensive. To quote one of the best movies of the last decade, "This is how I win." What's that from? A little movie called Star Wars: Gems Uncut. Almost. It's, it's, uh, let me see. What parallel? There's no movie that comes close in the Star Wars canon to Uncut Gems. They're not, none of them are driven enough by, by anxiety. Everyone's pretty, like, they're troubled, but they're not, like, truly pure anxious, which is a very unique experience. If you had to walk down this path, I mean, Rogue One is the closest you're going to get. Yeah, that's, they're, they're pretty anxious in that. Yeah, sweaty, anxious. We're talking, of course, we're watching the movies, the Fast and the Furious movies. If you've followed this wild ride with us, oof, your neck is probably sore from all the the the, the, the gasps and the looks of astonishment you've exchanged with your loved ones. Wait, what do you do with your neck when you gasp? <gasps> oh, I see. A quick... Sort of, sort of, I'm jerking it back. Sure, sure, of. sure. So, similar to a, like, getting rear-ended. <gasps> Get a whiplash from all that gasping. Well, this movie was so of course we're on fast six we're at a point in this series where it's kind of like it's like when you've been doing cocaine all night and someone's like do you want to do more cocaine and you're like yeah why not i'm not going to be as high but i just got to keep it going right like it's i'm not even going to feel that good doing this extra line but like we've already done all the other lines so like what's one more line did you like that i just agreed with you but i've never done cocaine yeah, you looking at you, you know, in your computer eyes right now. I was like pretty impressed. Like you really committed to that, as that yeah, that was yeah. an experience that you've had. I mean, I I've never had that experience, but I, I mean, especially if you're comparing it to an experience I just went through, and talking to other cokeheads, like I I can piece it together. Other cokeheads, Jesus, who are you rolling with? And I'm not a cokehead, dear God, tone it down. Uh, you don't want to know who I'm rolling with, dude. I moved to fucking Medford. So we're in the middle of a covid i don't have many choices okay you're right all right fair enough i understand all of our backs are collectively against the same existential wall and we're all making moves right now we're all making friends new friends so so we just watched fast six Wait, or furious we... six or fast and furious six yes thank you because the titling the titling i learned got even weirder because when we watched the movie the title is Furious 6. It comes up on screen, Furious 6, the number 6. And yet everything else says this movie is called Fast and Furious 6. Yeah, the science is wild. Like, I I don't even know if they're like... A part of me, like, are they going with the one marketing guy who they just like every time, no matter what, they're like, look, I know it's unorthodox, but Jeff is our guy. Just we got to stick with it. It's been working. Or alternately, they kept bouncing around to different firms who are like, look... Fast Six, that's for idiots. Furious Six, that's for genius alpha galaxy brains. And they're like, okay, it's going to be Furious Six. Then that person gets fired, and they're like, no, 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 no. Fast and Furious Six. Don't fuck with the formula. Or it's like, uh, you know, I was watching Chernobyl, watched that miniseries, and maybe it's just like the people weren't told. So, like, this whole marketing division went to work making all the posters and everything being told it was called fast and furious six when the one guy shows up and he's like fuck 
it's actually called Furious Six, but the guy that's commanding him, it's it's a long series of command, I think. I wonder if in the Chernobyl sequel, Two Chair, Two Noble, they'll be like, Jared Harris, you're never going to believe it. Same thing's happening this time in Rio. And then he just goes and tries to tries to reveal the truth about a failed government cover-up. And you get the idea. Yeah, yeah, he's sad. He smokes a lot. Yeah, smoking's pretty cool. Hey, I'm happy you mentioned Jared Harris and smoking. I did a little extracurricular this week, Ooh. if you catch my drift. What did you do? Did you guys have a little smoke break with Jared Harris? Oh, I wish. Uh, I, I, over two nights, over two stone nights, I finished a rewatch of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is a dumb, but it's a not a good movie, but it's it's hard to... I have mixed feelings about this movie. I think it's actually quite dumb, but it's very fun to watch. Yeah, I didn't... That's the one with Gary Oldman, right? It's Gary Oldman playing a very quiet man named yes, Smiley. he's very quiet. So I, I grew very up... My, my dad was obsessed with spy shit from the 80s. I don't really know why. From the 80s? Like what? No, so, maybe... Like Cold War movies about the Cold War made during the Cold War with like... You know, like the Ipcrest file and shit like that. I mean, that was sixties, but the, like the Ipcrest file was sixty five. I was just talking about it last night because I was talking about anti Bond movies. Yeah, of which Tinker Taylor is. So no, adamantly... maybe when was Alec Guinness a big boy? When was he? When was he king of the silver screen? I mean, the fifties and sixties. Okay, I'm wrong. Kind hearts and cornets. I said the wrong era. I'm going to edit this all out. Yeah, you're a fucking chode. That's what you are. Say it. <laughs> chode. Wow, that's the saddest thing that's happened this April. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to get worse. <laughs> um, my dad was obsessed with 60s and 50s and 60s spy shit. Yeah. And so we grew up watching the, the I think it was Alec Guinness played Smiley. Maybe somebody else. Did, but I'm pretty sure it was Alec Guinness. And I was told that was the one that was good. So when I went to see the, the new one, the new movie, I was like, dad's not going to be happy with me if I like this. <laughs> well, it's like the tone is really good, but I think the writing and the acting is surprisingly bad at times. Like there's once the scene where again, I've been watching these movies at like one o'clock in the morning after eating like an edible that I have not tested. So it's not necessarily the best environment to like watch a movie, but like I'm watching this and I guess the scene where Mark Strong's character, who's like the spy who we think is dead, but he's actually alive. And he's like, as a school teacher now. And like this little dorky kid with glasses comes over and he goes, I bet you don't like the other kids. They don't like you. They pick on you, but you're a watcher. You watch. Can you watch for me? I'm like, is he is he grooming him for sex? Like, this is vibing like that. Like, whatever tone they were trying to hit, it comes off very uh, groomy in a bad way. Um, it, it was seventy nine, so you know what? Cut me a little slack. I'm I'm a big chode. Interesting. So to you, that's an improvement on just chode. Yeah, a big chode. I mean, the thing about chodes is that they're terribly small. So at least mine's you're like, like a little, you're like a little tuna can over there. Yeah, yeah. Mine's a little extra girthy and got that length. Where it, like it just it just matters enough. I was seventy nine, so close to eighty, so close. Like it showed. That's it. That that whole diversion just to prove that you weren't that wrong and you were a, a better chode. Yeah, I'm a, the best chode. Wow, I'm the close. What is the best chode? We should research that for the next episode. How do you research something like that? Hey, listeners, do you have a chode? Do you have a friend with a chode? A loved one? A lover? I feel we like we want to know. One thing I gotta say, I'm gonna shit on our listeners right now. Okay. Oh, please. Yeah. So both of you sit down for a minute. Sit the fuck down. Uh, we ask for your, you know, to get in touch oh, sometimes. God. We ask for you to email Don't us. Don't Charles. Jesus. This is low. Hey, I'm a chode. I can get low. <laughs> <laughs> well, you start low, you finish low. Yeah. Uh, just fucking respond. Even if you don't have a chode at this Charles. point, just, just say you do. Send us a fucking Charles. email. Jesus. This is just to to reflect this back on you. You're now begging our listener to send in the fake chode story because you're so desperate for engagement. You're now soliciting a fake chode story. Dude, those, this is a low point. Those cokeheads don't want to hang out with me anymore. It's uh, true. Your nails are white. You painted your oh, nails. Yeah, you can see that from here. Wow. Nice. I sure can. We're on camera together, Charles. It's part of the experience. Well, all I can see from you is you're like half your head. What do you mean? I'm looking. I'm looking at the little box in the corner. You're very small. You're very far away from your camera. You're making fun of me. Fucking Tej would never do that. Tej would be beautiful, big. We know nothing about Tej. We'll get back to this later. <laughs> but like, it occurred to me in this movie how little we know about Tej. Yes. Everyone else says like, we know like Tej has a garage. Used to have more flamboyant hair. Yes. And now is a tech wizard, and that's it. He likes cars. Makes fun of Roman's forehead twice. Okay, but uh, just quickly. Yeah. Well, well, Tinker yeah. Taylor, Soldier, Spy. Mm-hmm. 
so we just watched a two hour long movie and this is another fast movie where no piss break and i wanted to so you you wanted to in that you felt the need to piss or you didn't feel the need to piss but you were bored and wanted to an excuse to get up well okay i i had drank a lot of water i'm trying to stay hydrated you know the pandemic you know gotta stay hydrated yeah you know got to keep the the fluids moving i do like that the pandemic's here and everyone's like i guess now we could take care of ourselves yeah no it's true get ripped at I mean, home drink more water i ordered a flashlight we're doing the things that we should have done years ago <sighs> yeah and now we're we're finally catching up to ourselves maybe and and just hear me out on this maybe the disease is modern life wow. and the cure is a pandemic that mows down the most vulnerable among us with the least representation in, Holly, in, in Hollywood, the sport arena, or DC. Mm. Maybe we're all going to learn a little lesson by letting thousands <laughs> and thousands march into the charnel house. You, I mean, let's put it out to our listeners. What do you think? <laughs> hey, listener, you, think you, you still with us? <laughs> Two things. Write these questions down. One, showed experiences. Two, what is the value of sacrificing the least the least protected in our ranks for no reason whatsoever? Well, I, I just want to be serious for a second. Uh-oh. I, I am very proud of you, Josh. I We are all cowering at home, and I am resting on my laurels. That's not the term to use. I am doing nothing. I'm getting paid to do nothing right now, and yet you uh, are doing way more work than usual, and it's important work. And uh, yeah, it's very... Uh, it's it's an honor to to talk to you. Yeah, I'm basically like a thousand doctors. If doctors were funny and cool, um, yeah, it's funny that like I'm working overtime and I'm face deep in the shit trough of the news world. Well, you are a classic, a classic uh, welfare prince sitting sitting pretty on the dole. Just uh, you know, the flashlight I bought, I earned working in the field. Okay, yeah, you're probably rolling in various. Devices. Oh my God, you should look that, at this. That the government did it. What did did, did they just like walk it to your house for you? Do they unwrap the box for you so they can watch you come in it? Just like just to make it even easier. Did they help you? Do they help you masturbate? Yes, yes, that's exactly right. They come in. Um, I have a whole fucking drawer. Like when I open up my drawer to bedside table, some people I don't know. What do you keep in a bedside drawer? Um, for me, random paperwork and my passport and like two bowls. Yeah, I got fucking butt plugs dildos vibrators rope mm. uh beads beads i got it all in there and whenever i want to get off we call up amy and i we go all right call up uncle sam i mean we don't always get the uncle but we get somebody they come over here it's all part of unemployment just get on it remember in c lab when he brings the captain his beads and he goes where were they and he goes right where you left them it's a good joke it's a, a good joke <laughs> So we're talking today about Fast Six. We're in this incredible part of the series at this point where, and none none of what I'm about to say is an actual criticism. They're just observations. This is the stupidest movie ever made. It is batshit. None of it makes sense. Everyone's course of action, except for maybe a couple people, is completely inexplicable. Physics are defied in almost every scene to varying degrees of credulity, straining madness. And I fucking loved this movie. I really enjoyed watching it, and I would watch it again. I, I let those two hours just shoot right by. Yeah, I think the idea of family is in full swing. No, no, they have like quadrupled down on family in this one. This is where it's... this, And this, is, this isn't a... It's a, not a coincidence that it is coming also with them becoming superheroes them like the rock teaming up this is this is like what it feels like this series wanted to do from the beginning and it's like it's fascinating to see the small like smaller budget youngsters figuring out how to make movies to this and this is like this is this is the this is the the beautiful culmination of everything that they wanted to do well, you, you may remember, you know, Tej explains to Hobbes the virtue of building one's own car, not just reading the brochure, which is a great, by the way, if you want to fit in with the car people, 
accuse someone with rudimentary car knowledge of being a brochure reader, which I think happens in three, right? Uh, Sean yep. tells off the guy from Home Improvement. Yep. He's like, you read the brochure. I'm from fucking Alabama. Roll Tide, bitches. Dude, it's not the driver. <laughs> it's not the car. It's the driver. You're my classmate. I'm in love with you. We are going to get married. We both have jar heads. Yay. What a, what a fucking disappointment that this movie ends back in Tokyo with that little end credit sequence. Hold on. They didn't even give us a little Sean. I mean, it's it's not, no, it's fine that we didn't get Sean. That's hysterical. Get, shut the fuck up. They didn't even give us a little Sean, like a little tease of what Look, we lost. After Tokyo Drift, we were just like, what happened to Sean, though? <laughs> Sean was great. Oh, I think he comes back. I'm Sean. My dad is in the Navy. No, I'm, uh, the, the callback to three in this is fucking incredible. We can't talk about that yet. We can't talk about it yet. I don't think okay, so. Okay, so the, this movie is wild bullshit and so good. It's really, it's like really, like I'm a little, I feel like a little high off of it because like, what? so new bad guy, it's Shaw. Shaw's Luke Evans. Shaw has Bizarro evil team who honestly get kind of short shrift in this. I kind of, yeah, I liked the, that idea of the Bizarro team. Yeah, yeah. Was- and we didn't really get quite enough of it, which, and I'm not, this, I loved this. I really enjoyed this movie. So this is a limited criticism, but I liked that idea of like, oh, you know, we we have this great scene where Dom and Shaw face off, and, and Shaw's like, look, you're all about family and loyalty, but that's not efficient. Loyalty means nothing to me. I want the best team. And this goes back to a long-running dialogue we've had about the series, the team versus family dynamic. And they were smart enough here to really put a finger on it, where Shaw's like, I'm also an international super criminal, but for me, it's it's just about efficacy. It's about this this fluid machine motion. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and he, he laughs in the face of Dom's more human family-based structure, where you do give up the big score. You do give up your big win if it means keeping the family together. Yeah, you, you sent me a text during that scene that said, you are Shaw, I am Dom. It's true. Well, I'm I'm a hulking, muscle bound, <laughs> sensitive man who's bound by my code of honor. Yeah, you hit people with your forehead. You're a little shrimpy guy who's like cool, but like not the kind of cool that you want to like be on his team. I feel like I'd I'd make a better team. You think you'd do better than uh, Shaw's Bizarro Squad? No, no, no. I've just but whatever you you'd get together. I mean, you get some cool. Far- this is you'd get your cool noise friends together, and you guys have a fucking <laughs> great time. Oh, that'd be a terrible team. But my, <laughs> yeah, my team I love my friends, but I'm not sure what we could heist. <laughs> you and Eric, that'd be so cute. Just like, I don't know what you would do. You just wa- like walk around Pittsfield. And heist something. I don't know. I guess. I don't even know if that would I happen. Mean, plenty of our convenience stores have been robbed so frequently that I could just jump in on that. Apparently anyone can do it. Really? Oh, yeah. Like, is this a new thing or has that always been happening? No, it's, it's pretty, it's like a long running thing. There's, there's like particular convenience stores that are just like known in pittsfield for getting rolled over and that's just part of life hmm. that's too bad there's like the sitco station on wakona street there's the quick stop on uh west hoosie no east hoosie yeah they're, they're you know no it's west hoosie <laughs> i'm glad god i wouldn't imagine it was on east hoosie do you want me to get more into i can spend a few more minutes uh well, I'm just, do they have the the like the height thing so they know how tall the robbers you are? know i think a lot of weight gets put on that system and it better work because it's it doesn't look good. How? Like, maybe you just train yourself. It <laughs> happens so frequently. And just like every time you get like punched in the face and threatened and you have to give up all your money, you just like immediately like a Pavlovian dog stare at the jam and wait for the guy to leave and then clock that height. I just think that if we have facial recognition technology and our phones are communicating marketing information just by speaking near them to various like shadowy enterprises, why can't we get the technology to figure out how tall a person is? <laughs> Uh, they do. It's called the sticker that you put next to your door. Oh, there we go. That's the tech. It's Tej, Tej, I mean, you, if you think you're Tej-like, you should know that that's the, that's the tech. And I have great respect for Tej. I like how Tej, when he goes into their new command center, he's like, finally, some good shit. Yeah. Not that crap in Rio. And I'm like, bro, you fucking like did oil changes like two movies ago. Like, now he's like, thank God, finally, the highest echelon of, of international global security is finally some bullshit I can maybe partial. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I, I want to I think this is a nice little moment to focus our discussion, because I, I think we've talked whether you want to call it a team or a family. It's definitely a family. Right, shut That's up. the movie. I'm, says. I'm not forcing anyone to. Yeah, you're not doing anything. I know. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> this is. Like the last movie set up everyone except for Letty to be a part of the team. And this is a chronicle of this this group. And I think 
like sort of looking at the different, like we're getting different micro units of people. We're getting friendships. We're getting lovers. We're getting families built, small families, part of the big family. I just sort of want to focus on maybe Roman Tej, Han Giselle, uh, the Brian, Toretto, Mia, Dom, Mia thing. I, just, I think that, I don't know, I'm sort of interested in the way they're partnering up and splitting off into small factions. I mean, it sounds kind of boring, but sure. Cool. Let's do it. I want to talk about how Hobbs walks in. <laughs> At the end of the last movie, Hobbs is like, I'm going to give you 24 hours, then I'm going to fucking find you. I know. This movie, first, first 30 seconds. Well, got to get Dom Toretto and forgive him for everything he's ever done. So that's <laughs> First sort of thing what, I got to do. <laughs> I, yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of noticing that this movie... The last Fast Five was so good because it sort of maintained a heartbreak and emotionality that this movie just sort of uh, Photoshop glosses right over. And they try, but like there's so much more they could have done that could have been so much more beautiful. Well, I see it as a pendulum swinging where like in three, the action, the, 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 the racing is fucking incredible. The design, the direction. And again, I mentioned this via text while we were watching. Not only do they replicate the shot of the cars drifting through a major public square in London from three, we actually see the shot from three yeah, again during later. the mid credit, which, you know, I, I'm sure we're not the only people to recognize how incredibly effective that that shot is no. from Tokyo Drift. But I love that like it gets double dipping in this movie. Well, and Dom so even mentions it. He's like we're back or whatever he says. He, like, he, yeah. he calls it out. Like, we know what we're doing and we hope that you appreciate it. Right. So so in three, like visually speaking and action-wise, it hits a certain apex. Then in four, all of the, the things that we liked the most about four were the moody plot-driven things of, of O'Connor and Mia and Dom facing the, the, the fallout of one. And then that worked way better than the action or the plot in that movie, which was very forgettable. Yeah. Then in five, you have like the perfect synthesis of mm. everything where it's emotionally grounded, the action actually has a weight to it that's not just complete ejaculatory madness. And then this one, they like quadruple down on that shit that rules. But I agree with you, the plot and the emotionality become so genuinely perplexing that it, it's kind of a problem. But like, like nothing sums this movie up better than... At the end of the movie, a plane the size of like eight Boston's explodes, and it's the biggest explosion ever. It's like nine Chernobyls, <laughs> and, and and they're like, "No, Dom is dead," and they're just like staring at the wreckage of the largest explosion to ever happen in the universe. And Vin just with zero explanation <laughs> strides out with with the fucking bounty, the chip, which I have no idea what the chip does in hand. <laughs> <laughs> and like that to me was like this movie summed up where it's like the emotional stakes in a way have never felt lower because it's so confident at this point yeah so like it's it's weird like they, in a way like we know this family rocks you know and they have any excuse getting back together and we just get three of the best action sequences i've maybe ever seen in movies yeah but around around it is a lot of very underwhelming stuff well i, th- I think and the problem is they have uh, a setup that could have worked like you start off the movie and you have Dom and I don't even remember her name. The cop from the last one that he, the Brazilian cop with the dead, the dead cop husband who's like, I understand your pain, Dom. Yeah. And they like fall in love and, but it's like a love based on sadness and it's really interesting. Um, and then Letty comes back and like, it's also easy. It's sort of like how you mentioned earlier, like the rock in the last movie was like, I'm going to fucking find you. I'm giving you this 24 hour pass, but you're mine. Um, and then in this movie, they're like, well, never mind. We just want them to be friends. They just sort of like have these emotional arcs, which are really intense, like Letty losing her memory and having to relearn who she is and who Dom is. None of these things were actually done to create a feeling of emotion. It was just like a random excuse to have shit happen. Well, I mean, this whole movie feels like a random excuse to have shit happen because you're right. They just got to bring Bet- Letty back into the fold. So a lot of the other things, like Giselle dying, though, of course, maybe, Asterix, we don't know in these movies anymore. <laughs> like, Giselle and Han never really get to a boiling point, I yeah. feel like. like They're, they're like, we're going to go to Tokyo. Yeah, I guess we would. Like, that bullshit. Right, they've done that now three times. That's yeah. the third movie where, like, ever, what, three, he dies, and then four, five, and six, they all are like, Han will die. Don't worry. We're going to get, and, like, that's <laughs> supposed to be the sad thing. But, like, it's happened three times now. It's we're just like it's losing its its edge. Yeah, and it's a bummer. And I will say that just while we're on the Giselle topic, there's a great meta moment. And this, 
it shows you how, how much I like these movies because sometimes the stuff is super annoying. But like when, when they're like, okay, we're standing on an overpass staring at one of Shaw's guys. We're just like right above him talking about him, looking at him. What are we going to do? Which is great. I love that shit. And they're like, we can do this. And then Gal Gadot's like, but here's a man. And you don't send a girl to do a, a man to do a woman's job. Like just like the last one. And, and, and Han's like, she says that shit like all the time. <laughs> yeah, she, she must. It must yeah, be and a- it's like, Gal, some men are attracted to other men, or not women, or not anything. And also, if that's the play, then write a scene where she, like, uh, I don't know, fucks him or does something, rather than just, like, talk to him and then beat the shit out of him. Yeah, and then her and Haywire go over there to be like, the girls got it, boys. And then, like, they just beat the sh- they just torture him. Which, by the way, this movie, we haven't we talked about, like what in these movies that we watch are like uh fascist cop fetishism i would say the Hobbes scene where he just like fucking tools up british fake dom for like no reason yeah like and they and they just like make a like light of it the entire time where it's like he's a cop torturing someone and this is a movie about out like that that note did not i know it's like probably contractually required to give the rock a scene like that probably but like i hated that i, I didn't like yeah, that no, at that all sucked we like i got your text and i was like i was already halfway through texting you the same thing and it's just it only works for me because it's so much fun watching the rock throw a man <laughs> i'm just like yeah i get it it's it's just like pure fascism and we're supposed to just believe that like they even talk about it he's like that isn't legal is it and she's like well you want to stop him like fuck he's gonna just beat up everyone in his way and like i guess it could be something if they were talking about police brutality but they're not they're not doing anything they're just doing a bunch of bullshit and then there's that oddly prescient scene where the rock makes an elaborate argument as to like you know we shouldn't stop the economy just because there's a particularly bad strain of the flu going around you want to cripple the greatest economy in the world just to save a few a few hundred lives yeah and it's weird. It's, it seems out of context in the movie, but from this vantage point, it's like, wow, he's got a good point. It has his points. I think he's, don't question him. And that's sort of sort I learned. That's like the biggest takeaway from this movie is don't question The Rock. And yet The Rock does the one of the worst notes of the movie that is genuinely baffling. So late in the movie, again, the, the actual plot of this is genuinely stupid and not even really worth paying attention to. This Shaw guy just sort of this like omnipotent super mastermind who can do anything. So I don't know. It's like this thing about like overblowing your villain in this way that's super annoying. Cause like I like that in Fast Five. It's like I'm a corrupt drug dealer, politician guy, and I bribe the cops. I just suck. I'm yeah. just like a piece of shit suit. Like fuck me. Yes. And so in this movie, having the like flashy debonair techno master criminal who just wants to be all powerful was just kind of boring. But anyways, there's a thing where he's like, I'll give you the thing you want. You can save all these lives or, you know, I'll give you Letty back and I'm going to escape. And and then Hobbs just goes. And then the British guy is like, no, we can't do that. That's fucking stupid. Are you kidding me? Like the random British like army stooge in the movie. Yeah. He's like, no, we, we, that's a terrible thing to do. That doesn't make any sense. Especially when the plan is to let him escape to then capture him again. Yeah. It makes, it, it is, it just sets up the coolest action scene of all time, which we'll get to, which I'm fine with. But I'm saying, but Hobbs just like inexplicably sides with the family on this one. And I thought it was like another missed opportunity, kind of like at the beginning when I was saying when we were watching, Hobbs giving resistance to this is what gives a lot of grit and, yeah. and resonance to their relationship. And in this movie, he's weirdly easy breezy about all of all of their ideas, even the truly terrible ones. It, and it's again, it's like... I think for me, I don't think I really like this movie as much as you did because I like Fast Five is so great because the plot is important and I'm watching this movie and it's like the action scenes are incredible and super fun. But when you are literally just watching action scenes, I just start like the tank shit. None of it has the climax. None of it has like the the punch of having characters doing something. It all just ends up seeing like just machines flying around. I don't know. I fucking loved the tank scene and I loved the airplane scene. I thought those were incredibly delightful. They're good scenes, but I feel like they're just like missing something. They're missing like an end. I hear what I you're saying. I don't feel like whatever happens next is going to be important. Right. And again, I, I'm going to go back to, to double down on the blaming the villain situation where I think Luke Evans does a very good job as Shaw. Sure. But it's like a, a little thankless because he just seems like so slick. Like, I don't know, this thing, like, having, like, a human, like, the fact in Fast 1 we have, like, you know, 
this this young gangster kid is trying to prove himself to his family and thinks he's a joke. Or, you know, in Fast 2, it's like the fucking grossest Miami Coke dealer. And it, it, I, I will always love battling a, a, a drug dealer plots. Those are always satisfying. That's why, well, 4 is kind of a mess. But that's why 5 works so well. And in 3, we have, again, like people inflated, testosterone-driven bravado yielding murderous plots for no reason. And in this one, I don't know. The, the, now that everything's so elevated... Only the action really, and some of the quips really fly. And I think that's a bummer. This is what I found really interesting about the ending of this movie is that everyone is back except for Giselle, but she was like a very late entry and her loss is not super important. And I guess Han too, so that whole unit's gone. Well, Giselle is poorly written the entire time. Yeah, she was barely a character. It's it's fine. She was, she was a fine addition. I didn't like, I liked having her in the team because she brought some really cool energy and she was a good entry, but her loss is not like I'm losing someone from the family in the same way that other people are. Uh, but it's weird. Like Letty's back. We thought she was dead. She's back. And like the ending of this movie is such a setup to be like the whole family's here and it's going to be so fucking weird. I know we shouldn't talk about the seventh one, but it's like just that feeling of like knowing that the family is about to lose actual Paul Walker in a classic Charles manner, you buried the lead there pretty hard. But yeah, like this is the last full Paul Walker performance we're going to get. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't really know what that means. But um, I'm, I'm saying what, what you were just saying was that he, Paul Walker dies while making the seventh movie. Yeah. And but I'm like it, the whole setup of this movie basically is, ah, we can breathe easy because everyone's back. And then seven's like, oh, f-. it's not even that like, they have to write. They now have to write a movie that seems in opposition to the direction they were going. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to deal with... I mean, I remember how they deal with it in 8, when they truly have zero Paul Walker. We're, we're getting a little ahead of we're ourselves. Getting a, I don't I, want to really talk about that, but it's like... That I know was what like you a, mean, though. Yeah, it's like it's sort of bizarre to see this whole family reunite, especially in a way that doesn't feel earned, and then like know that it slips away so quickly. Like, this is it. This is the last moment, maybe, where the family feels connected. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I hear you. I mean, it, this is such a sweaty premise where they're like, well... Got to get the gang back together. I, I understand that when you make these movies, you're making it for the rich, meaty, 15-minute-long car chase sequences. But I could have stood to see more of that coming together part. I don't like how Hobbs is so quick to be like, well, got to get my old enemies back. I don't like how everyone's like, oh, here we are. We're back. Like It kind of made it feel a bit more like... You know, there's that great bit in MacGruber, one of the greatest films ever made, where you know he, he gets the team back together and like... You know, it's just like horrifically convenient. You know, all of it's just like, well, you crazy son of a bitch. Guess it's time to get the old gold camo back on or whatever. Yeah. And that's what they're just like. Finally, we're back together after our final heist ever in five, which was the biggest, craziest thing we've ever done. Right. So it's full shark jumped in this. But I'm I don't know. I, I, I think the action scenes are getting so operatic and insane that I'm like fine with that. Yeah, that's what we're getting. And I just. I think there's a really good movie in here. That's, I think, why this one is the most potentially disappointing for me. Where it, like, we are Jump Shark, we're our superhero movie now. Um, but, like, seeing what they could have done, like, you have some really good stuff. Like, the team, I feel like having The Rock, he was my MVP last week. And I feel like he shouldn't have been in this movie. He, he feels like he got very little and again the logical points of friction that would have be made for more interesting dialogue were dispensed with to, to grease the slide which i think is a huge mistake and here's the thing is so where, where is that grit coming from oh it's coming from the the uh, bizarro team if you've dubbed them i think it's a, a good dubbing thank you um but the but the problem is now you're splitting the grit you have an, a smooth frictionless grit from the rock and then you have a grit so like thinly spread over what are you? Well, I don't even know what you're spreading grit on. What would you spread gr- gr- like a rivita? Yeah, or maybe like a sandpaper, like a sandpaper that's been. It's like oh, so you're now making sand. You're talking about the production, the commercial production and manufacturing of sandpaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's this it's, is a good fucking podcast. Yeah. Uh, so you have that group, which is supposed to be a nice like fine fine sandpaper but you're getting one of those like weak ones that you use on wood they call it bodega sandpaper uh but anyway so like there's like that woman who drives the other flipper car which fucking rules heck we gotta talk about that car oh the flipper cars are fucking amazing but she's in the movie for two scenes and like they even have like a a scene where she drives by in slow motion so paul walker can 
see her face. And she winks at him. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and then she doesn't show up in, for the rest of the fucking movie. Okay, so, okay, something that we do monitor while doing these series is like, how? what is the bloat like on these movies? And just in the last movie, the first four... I think, yeah, the first four are all like 90 minutes, right? Basically. Yeah. Give or take. There are maybe, maybe hundreds, but. Okay. Because five, we break too easy. We get to like 210, 211. This one again, 210, 211. They're really formulaic movies. And I think that that is the biggest thing here where I would watch a three hour cut of this because I'm an insane person. Because I think with all the things that we're talking about, they had to dispense with to get these bigger and bigger set pieces in. Yeah, it's it's a shame, and it's like sort of distracting, and sort of it's I don't know. It's still fun. It's definitely is still fun, and like if you're comparing it to other like Marvel movies, or now we're like when you can actually compare it to a superhero franchise because like Vin Diesel's literally flying around with purpose in the air as though he can control his his vector. Can we hold on? Talk about the physics of this movie. Yeah, let's talk about those physics. I'm used to in these movies people being like, "Take the wheel while driving 120 miles an hour and fighting someone or whatever," like it's a normal thing people do. That happens a lot in this movie. There's so much jumping in and out of things. Yeah, where like it's one of the many times someone takes the wheel for someone. The Rock jumps <laughs> off, out of a moving car down onto another moving car in a way that though i have never taken physics i am certain it's not possible like not even close to possible like you don't have the density of a fucking meteorite to travel forward through space like the rock to... does i guess so but i think the way they shoot it like and cgi it it looks like it's convincing that's like the weird shit is that i believe that in the same way that i would believe like dr strange floating around or like Captain Marvel. It's, it's the the wire work they do in some of these things where there's one time, I don't know if you caught this, uh, in one of the many very well choreographed, delightful fight scenes on the plane, I think it's either The Rock or Vin does one of the flying punches from a Marvel movie uh-huh. where like his entire body is, flies forward behind a punch. But like obviously they're not shooting it like this is a superhuman from space doing this. It's just like some guy in a room just like hurdles forward out of nowhere to deliver the most brutal punch of all time. It's so close to working because they're doing things that are ridiculous, but they're doing it in a way that is, first of all, a brilliant idea. Like who doesn't want to punch when you punch, see someone punch someone with their entire body. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're also wiring and CGIing in a way that it doesn't look silly or fake. It actually is like, I know no one could actually do this, but if someone were able to, it would look just like this. Well, and that's part of what this franchise experience is. They've, they've successfully warped and blurred the edges of this vision to the point where you're like, yeah, fine, whatever, whatever. With there's a few scorch marks on his undershirt while he walks out of like a fire that makes the Hindenburg look like a match. You didn't even like, mention that before the, sh- the plane, while the plane is exploding, he drives through the entire plane out the front of it. It's hard to separate out these images in your head after one of these movies where it's like, because the you know the the tank erupts out of the truck on the free and like just all these images are just like so crazy. I want to talk about the part where, where Roman crawls out of a car that's being crushed to fling himself onto the hood of Dom's car. All this is just amazing. Yeah, that was like, a great I, scene. They go so casually from like Paul Walker and Tyrese being like, "Yeah, we used to bang together back in in Bakersfield, a couple of young thugs just trying to have a laugh." And now it's like, "Okay, I'm going to attach the grappling hook to the tank, and then if you drive around it, I'll swing from the the the, the I'll swing off the edge of the tank onto your car, and then we can do a 360." You know what they get back? You just reminded me. What's that? They get back a harpoon gun. We do get, and it's they lean on the harpoon gun for a lot of uh, visual bits in this. Yeah, but now it's NOS powered. <laughs> like everything in their life. The thing is, like again, in five, like because we really we want Paul and Mia to, to raise that kid. We want we want everyone to be okay in five, and this is so superfluous that and so like, it's it's. I really enjoyed it, though. Like, that's why I'm so torn here. Because it's obviously, like, so unnecessary. Like, so unbelievably unnecessary. But I really, like, when it was full foaming at the mouth psycho, I loved watching it. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to slightly disagree with you. We've sort of talked about this in other ways already. But I don't, I don't think this is unnecessary. I think that's the problem, is that it is vital to the franchise. But they do it in a way that is batshit the entire time. So it makes it feel unnecessary. 
I feel like we're like revisionist historians looking at like a communist dictator being like he had to crush the peasants if he was going to rebuild the economy or something. Yeah. Where it's like the, the mission is so sacrosanct that who cares a few thousand die along the way? Look, Letty had to come back. <laughs> I would let a thousand random motorists die. <laughs> This movie does a really weird thing. It's kind of like Speed Racer, where some cars that get pulverized, we see the driver get out, and they're like, okay, they're okay. So whatever happens to this car, it's not tinged with the horror of knowing that the person's about to die, one of the worst deaths imaginable. But many other cars, we're led to believe that the drivers are being ground into like particles by a tank tread. Do you think that's one of the worst? Yes. Yeah. I think car accident plus ground to death, that's a crazy one-two punch. No, thank you. That's right. And you also have the the history, the trauma. Yes, I've been in a car accident, or many, but one big one. I'm just saying, having been in a high-speed car accident, the, it is very unpleasant. Yeah, I've never, I've never had that experience. I've had other experiences that are unpleasant, but that one sounds very unnerving because it's, it's very fast loss of control, where I've been in very slow loss of control about violence. But I think that speed is... It brings it to a different level. Yeah, it's like the worst thing that ever happened to me. So I don't recommend it. So how is it watching these movies? Because you're watching car crashes every 10 seconds. Well, but again, we've entered this part of the world of this where I know that, you know, Vin could drive a car into a napalm factory <laughs> covered in broken glass and get out and be like, it was hot in there or something. Yeah, or something completely incomprehensible because he is now... Like, he is old, and I don't know what it is about these big muscle men with their giant necks. Maybe that's their necks, but mm. like a Sylvester Stallone, and you know, he's always had some speech problems, And but I just feel like older actors, their voices get lower, their voices get gravelly, and you can barely understand anything that they say anymore, and Vin Diesel's like getting to that point where he's just the king of mumbles. Vin sounds like a grindcore vocalist in this movie. He truly sounds like he's about to like do something unhinged. Um, well, you raise a good point, though. Like, I think about like Giselle's death in this movie is totally bloodless. For example, yeah, like Hans is really pretty fucking agonizing in three. Like the and we see it in this again, the gas dripping on him as his car goes up. Like it's really upsetting. But Giselle like selflessly kills herself to save Han. Ironically. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like, like she just vanishes into the dark, basically. Well, see, and this is sort of where the franchise effect starts to come into play. Where you're like, they already wrote Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, where Han is a loner, basically an asexual loner. He could be fucking. We don't know. We don't see him fuck. Honestly, if I had one, if I had one note about Tokyo Drift besides best casting ever, it would be we got to see Han fuck. I think he vibes asexual. It might be they're trying to be like retroactively being like oh he Giselle wasn't with him in Tokyo so she has to die before he goes to Tokyo because fans are like well in three Giselle wasn't with him so why not and they're like all right guys this is why because she saves his life well you know under the quill bearing Chris Morgan who scratches down each installment likely on a sheet of parchment paper in a cave with a lit candle it's um, probably on a bill that he unrolled after snorting that line he does seem pretty like shane black style coked out like 90s shane black like full full psycho because these movies are like the writing is perpetually bad though vin has that one great line well, well i texted it to you what was it uh, i don't know my phone is in the same same reason why you can't use your phone um i'm using my phone right now oh what are you using to look at me my fucking computer Oh, that's okay. No, no, no. Uh, it, because the crime happens in Moscow, I remember this. I didn't even find it on the phone. I'm so fucking smart. My brain's working so good. Guys, I can. He showed me the phone. He put the phone up to my phone screen, and and it was a different text. And he's using that to prove that he thought of this on. I'm not doing his that. Own. Jesus, he thought Why of this on his own, me, bro. Why you got to malign me? Um, uh, when Hobbs is getting Dom to come back to the job, he's like, a military convoy is hijacked in Moscow, and Finn goes. I don't do cold places. Yeah. Great line. Good at, that's like the best thing Chris Morgan's ever written. <laughs> other than every Roman line, because Roman fucking rules. Maybe I got cokeheads on the brain, but do you think like a washed up cokehead moves to NOS? I feel like NOS... Have you done NOS? I've never... No. It, NOS the drink is just so brutal to look at that I can't step to it. And they're all like... I, I like hide behind the fragile veil of like Red Bull at least not looking like... Like, it's hard to step to Monster for me, because Monster just, like, looks like... Mm-hmm. X Games, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm not that guy. 
you know? No, you're not. There's an energy drink called Guru that's like a, a natural energy drink. How is it spelled? G-E-U-W-R-E-U-X. Guru. No, Guru, like G-U-R-G-U-R-U. Okay. Guru. I wasn't sure if it was G-O-O. It took me a couple of passes there to spell Guru. <laughs> it sure did. Yeah. Sorry, don't worry I was about like, it. I'll, t- I'll get on the next one. That one, I drank, I drank one of those and, and, was, and felt psycho. Shit. Did I ever tell you the first time I ever drank uh, cold brew? Cold brew? No. You, you this probably... is 2014. I'm on tour with my band. I was vegan at the time, and this was a day on tour where that day we ate hot dogs twice and Taco Bell. That was what our meal was that day. Wait, you were vegan at the time, but you ate hot dogs? Vegan hot dogs, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, we, we went to, I was in Cleveland, Ohio, long before I would attempt to build a life there. This is 2014. We went to this place called Gypsy Coffee on uh, Detroit, and we got what we thought was iced coffee. Can you say that? I don't know. I said, I think they asked, I, I thought I was getting iced coffee. Oh, no, no. Can, thought, you, can you say gyps? I don't really want to say it. Is that like a, oh, I mean, a word you can say? For all I know, it's owned by a Romani family who are having a fun go at reappropriating a term like that. Look, I didn't name the coffee shop, and I'm not going to be a historical revisionist who stands here and says, I get to make the decisions. I don't. All right. Anyways. We got this cold coffee, being like, "Oh, some nice iced coffee," and then proceeded to like have panic, like full panic attacks. Jesus, because I had no idea what I was getting into. Like it, it was a profound chemical experience. Wow, I make cold brew in my kitchen. Well, now we all, all of us drink the cold brew. It's it's legally required. Okay, but you're used to it now. I built up a bit of a tolerance to me. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I will say like. Uh, I struggle with ca- with caffeine, but especially during these incredibly stressful times where I'm like losing my mind every day, uh, caffeine and, and marijuana have become uh, my little friends. Oh, that's cute. Like chodes. We're, right. My little chode friends. We've been friends for a long time, but now, you know, regulating that balance is a good way to get through the week without being just a completely sh- empty shell, like a husk at the end. I hate it when you're a husk. <laughs> Don't get me started. Yeah. You're, you're full flower. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. Yeah, you're the seeds, you're the... Stamen? Yeah, the sex parts, your petals. The pistol? Yeah, both those things. But you're also That's leaves cool. and petals and whatever, stems, fruits. Wow, this is... I wasn't fishing for this elaborate flower comparison, but I'm really happy we've gotten here. Yeah, I'm just imagining, you know, like, you're like one of those flowers, you got little arms with a cane, and your head's right in the middle of the, like, <laughs> pollen area. Got a little and you, hat. my friend... Or much as the daffodil, ah, you've got like a you know a little a little uh, a little je ne sais quoi about you. Sure, just like the daffodil, yeah. That's much a good as point. the daffodil, <laughs> hmm. you know, we, we're speaking here in springtime, and I don't want to date the podcast, but it is springtime for Goyim. Oh, <laughs> it's Easter. Yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> or as I call it, shittier Passover, and I don't like Passover that much. Yeah, they don't. Uh, I don't know which one's Passover. Uh, we don't eat leavened bread for eight days. We tell the story of fake slavery that didn't happen. Yeah. Sounds like a real hoot. <laughs> well, the food's pretty good. Yeah. The Easter, that's the thing. The food sucks for, for us. It's just chocolate. And ham, right? Or like sweet ham or some horrible <laughs> yeah. sounding bullshit. Yeah. It's ham and chocolate. And you make a ham and chocolate sandwich the next day for leftovers. That sounds very European. Yeah. European, not good. Really bad. <laughs> Yeah, in this movie, everyone from England's a fucking dumb piece of shit, yeah. which is sick. Like, England fucking sucks. Fuck all these people. So, I want to talk about the flippy cars, because that's like the first moment where I was like, okay, okay, I, I can deal with this <laughs> well, for look, another hour You literally have to just keep doing a plus one at this point. And, like, I remember, by the time we get to eight, shit is so absolutely psychotic. And I'm not going to give away anything from eight, for if you haven't seen it, but, like... The plot points in eight are in pure insanity. So the fact that in this one they're like, okay, we've got a new kind of car. That seems kind of cute compared to what's coming, you know? <laughs> I just Yeah, nothing's been flying yet except for people. Cars have yet to fly. And I remember that that's like been hinted at earlier, but they've all been sort of crash landings. And Well, and two, they do land on that fucking yacht and it's baller as fuck. That's a crash landing. That's true. But yeah, I know we're, we're, we're prepping for, for more. Um, speaking of prepping, we got some news. I've been going to the Wikipedia page for the the Fast Saga a lot. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, that's all the news. 
<laughs> Great. Anyway, so the weather. Uh, there isn't any weather. There isn't any sports. Um, wow. No weather. Uh, the films has always been, you know, the list of films, which I, I, I've been looking at this film sort of like we just watched National Treasure last night as a group with people online. We were chatting. The Declaration. The Declaration. The Declaration. I'm going to make one of those for this show. There already is one for sure. I know, but I can add it to my, my little repertoire. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm sort of looking at these list of titles with more of a, a Nick Cage treasure hunter genius puzzle solver. And I'm going to, we're going to talk about that for just a second. But more importantly, uh, section 2.1 is films. And there's always been the 10. There's been F9 and then a 10th one coming out. Spinoffs was previously up until the last time I saw it, just Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw and untitled female led film. As of March of 2020, the Rock has announced that there is now an untitled Hobbs and Shaw sequel in the works. Oh, thank God! Yeah, I can sleep again. I've, I've actually still haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw once. I'm, Wait, I'm have actually... we talked about that? The the COVID interrupt. Uh, I don't. Oh, you're that's right. We haven't directly addressed this. I don't think on Mike. We alluded to it in my little pre-recorded thing a few weeks ago. But yeah, Fast Nine has been postponed for the people because Vin doesn't want his hands soaked in the blood of Fast Nation dying of a horrible respiratory illness. We are. Waiting on Fast 9. If they released Fast 9 in theaters, even if like everything else was shut down, if they put that out there, people would go. I would definitely shoot a cop to and, and risk infection to see Fast 9. Yes. Are you kidding me? That's all we have left. God, so I get it. They're taking it out. But it's so beautiful that they're announcing... Uh, this new God, we're going to be doing this till we're dead. Yeah, probably. Which again should be within a few months. Fuck. It'll take a lot of the pressure off finishing the longer series when we are just in a in an overflowing yeah. morgue somewhere. Uh, so anyway, this is the, the the point of this is that we had originally decided to not do Hobbs and Shaw because we're like, eh, it's a spinoff. Does it really count as a part of the franchise? But then you slapped me across the face and you said, "No." I said, "Listen up, Chode. We're going to fucking do this right, like we did Shrek." with Puss in Boots, like we did something else. And not a day goes by that I'm not thrilled that I saw Puss in Boots, a movie that I definitely remember more than one thing about. Like The Love Guru? Man, maybe this isn't a good idea. We peaked early, because I think uh, that was an actual good thing we did for humanity, was to take that bullet. But anyway, so we're now, week nine is going to be this Hobbs and Shaw. And then whenever next year... I guess they have a date, but who knows? Until we get a vaccine, we might just never be able to see a movie in theaters ever again. And uh, release dates are just, what, going to keep getting pushed out forever? Or they're going to eventually have to just release them? Did did you buy Trolls World Tour? It came out, I think, this weekend. Did you buy it yet? No, you can just torrent that shit. No, you got you to support the movies, man. Come on. You got to support the billionaires in Hollywood? Yeah, come on, man. They're, they got to they gotta eat, too. You know, here's what I don't get: this discrimination against the rich. The rich are like any other people. Okay, are they? Okay. If they, if let's say the rich were all one race, okay, wouldn't we call it racist if you said the rich were bad? Fuck, you got me there. Think about it like that. Fuck, I don't want to think about think, it like. I think Martin Luther King said, "Rich people, you know what? They're people too, man. Just be chill about it." That's true. And then Easter, it's Easter. Jesus Christ, uh, historically and accurately said. The rich man is my friend. Wink. Here's the thing about Easter. I've read that little story in the 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 not very good sequel to the Bible. And they're like they went to go find his corpse, which is fucking sus- suspicious as fuck anyways. And they like couldn't find it. And they're like, "Oh, he's resurrected." So the story is like they tried to find his dead ass and he was just like not there. And they're like, "Oh, he's he's he got born again." Josh it's a little disrespectful. I'm just saying, there's like a bit of a jump there. There's like a bit of a jump there for you to call the greatest story ever told a shitty sequel to the Bible or whatever the fuck you said. I I, I suggested that. Yeah, it's, great, it's the, number, it's the yeah. greatest story ever told. Have you read it? Honestly, no. I've read very. I've read some of the book of John or the book of Revelations because it's fun. It's the fun one. Like fucking loc- locust going to boil up from your dick hole stuff Whoa, like that. Shit. I know, but I'm just saying it's, it's a bit of a jump to be Dude. like, oh, we can't find a corpse to like, oh, he's reborn. It's a bit of a jump. It's a bit of a jump to be like, oh, this woman never had sex and she's pregnant. Hmm. Maybe she had sex. There, you know, honestly, I don't want to Occam's razor my way out of everything fun and literary, but sometimes someone's pregnant because they had sex and that's just that. But yeah, no, the, the, maybe someone stole the body and fucked it. We do I was going to go there. I was going to, oh, 
I was going to make necrophilia jokes about Jesus. And you were going to do it better. You took it from I'm me. I'm sorry. It's fine. You, you took your shot. I admire that, I guess. I feel a little, a little let down. Who do you think would have done that? That's a fucking absolute baller. <laughs> you think Vin Diesel fucking makes a time machine and fast? For corpses. For fun. Why, um, why do you come to Nazareth? You know, you the know, people. What brings food, everyone to Nazareth? To fuck fuck Jesus' <laughs> corpse. Oh, boy. What was that, eight? It's in eight. That's the best dialogue. I, I actually did that whole scene for someone today on the phone. I was, I'm so excited about getting to, to Fast Eight. We're gonna. We have to play that sample in the episode when we get to that. That's the highlight <laughs> of the entire. So. Maybe that is me. the whole episode. We'll find out. We'll play with that. that brings idea. everybody to Havana. It's so good. Okay, so well, wait. Before we move on, I have this. I have this page up. Oh wow! God, let's not waste the page. Can you get to the the Fast and the Furious uh, franchise Wikipedia page? I want to look this over with you. Okay. Why? I'm Nicolas Cage. You're you can you can choose. You want to be John Voight, my father. You want to be uh, who's the guy who plays his friend? The, the shitty annoying guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. That, yeah, the, I'll be him. I'll be okay, him. Okay, also the misogynist, shitty annoying I'm guy. The, just a, the piece of shit. And you're the you're Nick Cage. Cool. This is so. Good. We have the Fast and the Furious, and then it jumps to Too Fast for Too Furious. The first time we've seen a uh, numeral in there. Then we go back to the Fast and the Furious. So we have a little bit of 1-3 relationship. Says Tokyo Drift. I'm with you. And then we have Fast and Furious, which is, we don't have the number anymore, but it's, other than that, almost identical to 2. So now we're going 1-3, Well, so far what you're saying is that regardless of numerals and ampersands, um, we're keeping the two words Fast and Furious. Yes. And then, uh, but in ways that, the first and third have the the words the and the, where second and fourth omit the articles. Sure. Who needs them? This is where the puzzle gets interesting, and I could use a little help from Ben Franklin's glasses. Mm. I could use a little help from a squirt of lemon and a, and a blow dryer. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. When he fucking blows on the Declaration of Independence... Those, those movies rule the second they make a third one we're doing it absolutely the second it happens i fucking love those movies so here's where it gets interesting fast five we could say this is the maybe the beginning of a new half of the franchise so it deserves a new beginning to the titling sequence so fast five the title for furious six was supposed to be furious six hmm, and that would make a nice a nice sort of like you know mirrored effect there fast five furious six but then they decide to go furious seven so what the fuck? See, that's this is where I don't. I think you're right. I think this is uh, an old man in charge of a large team of people where the coherence to like we have figured out there is a relationship in the first four or five, but it's starting to break down. I think it's like a Joe Biden campaign kind of thing where like this this ancient mystic sort of mumbles non sequiturs and people have to like interpret them. Yeah. So here's the thing. I think that's why they retroactively like went back in time and changed it to fast and furious six, because now that's mirroring. It's the sixth one. So it's mirroring two and it's mirroring four. So we saw this even number. You're going crazy. This is psycho. I am Nicholas. This is dark. Figuring this out. Too fast. This is no, you're, you're Jim carrying the number 23. That's what you are. So we have too fast, too furious, fast and furious saxophone. We're in a goddamn duster. Fast and Furious Six. Okay, Charles. And then it doesn't make sense. I don't. There's so no that, answer to this. This that is not allows like the Bible the, codes. Sh- shut the fuck up. This allows for the jump from Fast Five to Furious Seven. So You're now melting the, down on Mike. This we is hard still to have to. the odd number relationship. This is an this is an even odd. I don't think you're okay. <laughs> even odd. Okay, even you're, odd. you're. This is going off the rails. Um, are you asking when will this end? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh no no i guess not no, i guess not i'm sort of seeing where this is going and it's still very fun and i think they're losing um they like still have there's so many good characters and they're just like mr they're not really treating them as i want them to be treated but it still like deserves to be finished and this one if i'm ex- hoping that they're going to change up things a little bit it does set up a beautiful next movie where they're not like this is our last job. And then the next one's like, how do we rope these fuckers into a new job? It's like they're settled back at home 
and it opens up a world of possibility. So I'm not asking when will it end. And I totally agree. We're going back to where it all started, that one stupid party house where all the dorkwads hung out in the Fast and the Furious. And baby, I missed a little Los Angeles, I gotta say. It's fun to globetrot. It's like in this season of The Bachelor when they went to Cleveland. I was like delighted by that. Like That was like a rare, brilliant production move in that season. Yeah. Um I, I'm just I'm wondering. It's like it's a it's a reticent what not asking well, and I'm I'm sort of noticing that the steam is leaving the ship and not. Be, I don't know. There's no meta. That's not a that's not a metaphor. She I think the metaphor I would go for is that like there is the, the momentum is building in the psycho stunts realm, but I I. I find myself missing the emotional foundation of four and five. So I, I, I need them to ground some of the delightful action back in some of that emotional resonance, which I think this one was just so psycho that it, that is the biggest, you know, victim of, of, of its own success. Like as, as the momentum gets so wild, the coherence starts to go out the window. And for seven, I'm very excited to watch seven because I genuinely love watching these movies. I, I really need that to get back down to earth. And I'm hoping back being back in Los Angeles. Hey, that's exciting. We're, we're back where the whole story started. Maybe that's enough of a, an inspiration to, to keep things slightly more emotionally deep. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is a nice segue into our MVP because I think it's, it's really fascinating to see a, a series where, the characters are actually be, staying very true to themselves the entire movie. Uh, like Roman is as good in two as he is in this. And yet for some reason I'm not as capped. I'm still captivated by the, all their individual performances, but they're not adding up to the sum of their parts. Yeah. It, this was, I think a, a mixed bag outing, but still, I mean, God, the best parts were just so much Fucking fun to watch. Great. Dude, we haven't talked the, the raid guy was in this, the guy from the that raid fight, that whole foot chase scene through the London underground was awesome yes the the flipping car scene was great the fight the like mirroring fight where you get roman and uh han fighting the raid guy while haywire lady fights letty and then it happens again at the end of the movie in very different circumstances and like the tables have turned it's really brilliant story setup very bad storytelling right like i think the 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 visual tricks they can tell the way they can weave all that stuff together is like unparalleled this is some of the best action the entire series but yeah okay so i think we're saying the same thing here charles let's let's cut to the cut to the chase who's your mvp pick for this installment of the fast saga so this is a tough one i've been thinking about this a lot because we sort of mentioned earlier many times that the characters are there but it's sort of hard to feel them so i'm trying to figure out who like really embodies the MVP, you know who I'm going to, I'm going to, can we, can we issue out a slap on the wrist to the film writer, the screenwriter? Go crazy. Wait, what, fucking Chris Morgan, the dipshit who's been doing all these? Yeah, let's, let's uh, throw a chode at, at Chris by seriously removing Mia from the movie. What the fuck? Yeah, that was a bummer. She, I loved her in the last, I think she was my MVP pick in five, so that's disappointing. Yeah, and she's been strong, weird, crazy, fun, beautiful awesome the whole series hey, and now she all of those things are set up in three simple letters m-i-a both and mia and missing an action yeah she's gone so that's that's what we we throw a disembodied chode at chris morton or whatever the fuck his a name castrated is. chode it's like a <laughs> severed chode yeah take that chris morgan you fucking multimillionaire. so i'm gonna use the like the the lack of humanity from this movie to issue out the mvp that i should have given out long ago to a little character named Roman. I mean, Roman is the best. I love Roman. Like he's the guy that you he could, you could give that man the shittiest line of dialogue, and whatever he he's the perfect actor. He carry like he is that character. The, the, MVP. The, that is Tyrese Gibson's performance in the series. You can throw anything at him, and he just he reacts to it so humanly. It's wonderful, especially as like I think uh, Ludacris is a little wooden as Tej at times. Yeah, and I think that obviously Paul Walker and Vin Diesel operate mostly in sort of like uh, you know like a silhouette, basically. <laughs> like they're very broad <laughs> characters. Um, but yeah, Roman really like he, if anyone if they even saddle him with the is that a tank? Oh my god, a tank! Like the, oh, that shit, which I don't like very much. I think it's lazy writing. Yeah, but like he sells it. He's delightful. I, you know, I'm going to double up on that. Woo-hoo. Roman is the heart of this movie, and it, it's not even overstated. But whenever he shows up, you're like, whatever reaction or flash of humanity I'm going to get is going to feel real, and that's very important. And again, what we're missing the most at this point. 
Yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, he, he's uh, stole our way into our hearts in two, and he's he's set up camp there ever since. And it's it's just a reminder of how beautifully as he works with the dog shit, he still shines through. He's an angel. So with that said, we will say, f- uh, drive on, friends, vroom, vroom, and we'll find out what role Jason Statham, who we know to be a Shaw, but not the first Shaw we've met, but an eventual Shaw. Yes. So we have that coming our way. And it's, uh, I just got to say, it's an amazing bit of retconning to... Yes. Han's death was an accident in three, and they're like, that was perfect for three. It's We're not going to take away that moment in three to have like Han just die in a race. But we're also going to build on that. Like, that's the beauty of this franchise is that you can... It's so long ago that you forget what happened. And when you rewatch it, it doesn't matter. But then they're using that moment to set up a fucking family feud in number seven. It's beautiful. And of course, it almost brings more honor to Han, knowing he didn't die just randomly in some accident, but he was fucking murdered by some piece of shit Brit. Fuck you, England. Fuck you. Fuck you.